Broadcasting from Little Hampton, UK, this is the Man Up Podcast. From Sorted Magazine, official sponsor, staggerversary.co.uk. Loading in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Steve Legg on the Sorted Magazine Man Up Podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us. On today's show, I chat to Simon Thomas, a TV presenter who worked on Blue Peter for six years and now presents live Premier League football on Sky Sports. I also natter with Tough Talk, a group of ex-bouncers and East End hard men who've turned their backs on their past. They now travel widely using powerlifting and their stories to share their experiences with the hope of helping others. Once again, I know I say it every time, but it is, it really is an absolute belter. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show and make sure you tell your mates. Hi, this is Lieutenant Colombo and you are listening to the Man Up Podcast. The most fun you can have without a cigar and a trench coat. All right, I think I've bothered you enough for today. I'll let you go on and listen. Oh, oh, and just one more thing. Enjoy the show. First up is the brilliant Simon Thomas, and we talk football, Blue Peter, and would you believe it, cheeky banter with Her Majesty the Queen. Steve Legg brings you the best podcast every single month. It's so great. He's a great guy. No one knows more about great podcasts than me. The features, the interviews, even the adverts. It's a great show. Fantastic. Enjoy the show. So here we are. Would you believe it? John Watson has been uh, has been one of our favourite pundits for many years. But we've got the new kid on the block here. It's the I wish I was a kid. You're looking very youthful. How old are you? I've not said who you are. No. Simon Thomas. Ah, there it is. Well, you uh, know that. Yeah, I know. 44. 45. Yeah. I was 50 in January. Were you? Yeah. But you know a lot you of don't pe- look it either. Thank you. A lot of people do say we are both baby-faced, boyish good looks. Yeah. You, you get told that. Well, you told me and I told you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Simon Thomas, welcome. Pleasure. To the nice Sorted to be here. Man Up podcast. It's wonderful to have you on the show. We're going to chat about football because we love football. Yeah. Sorted. Yeah. It is our, our favourite sport. I'm going to ask you about Brighton, which is my team. Yes. Uh, in the what a season. Absolutely incredible, yeah. wasn't it? Brilliant. Um, you know, for the last few years, we've almost got there. Yeah. And it's been so frustrating. When you're the third team and yeah, you go yeah, into yeah. the playoffs. I know. And you mess it up. Well, I fear if it was playoffs again for you, I fear for you because I've covered your playoff campaigns. Yeah. Um, but I tell you what, we had Chris Eaton at Norwich, and it just didn't didn't work out. Oh, but he's, he's a top top bloke, we, and his daughter Aisha used to work at Sky Sports News when I was yeah. there, and she's lovely as well. And he, he is—I know you hear this a lot—but he is genuinely one of the nicest yeah, guys in football because there are some yeah. less nice people. And you've probably he's, met them all. Yeah, and, and he's talking names today. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> nice try. But he's, he's lovely. I'm really pleased for him actually because he he got a bit of a battering at Norwich. Yeah, um, and he's and he's delivered. And that we always used to say when we went to the Amex and sat there in that the studio that they have. They'll have to build two studios now. You have to have one for the host broadcaster and yeah. one for the foreign ones as well. So they have to build oh, two wow. purple. I mean, you have to spend a fortune when you get into the Premier League just on upgrading a stadium in yeah, terms was, of being uh, media mean, ready I was just reading they've got Hawkeye installed of course yeah yeah now which yeah. is a couple of million two and a half million I believe at least yeah which is a lot yeah. of that. but it started for you well we first met about 20 years ago you were working with our great friend Dawny Reynolds Dawn Reynolds <laughs> for, mad as a hatter but lovely <laughs> <laughs> hope you're listening Dawn with Steve Chalk of course yeah and uh, you, were, you were you were a presenter well I wasn't then I mean I, I you were presenting videos for them y- weren't well you? I, t- I, I 
I came out of university and, and gave myself three years to get a media break TV-wise. And so I'd gone over my three years, tried Blue Peter a couple of times, just said the old thanks, keep your details on file, letter yeah. back, which is code for it's gone in the bin. Yes. And they'll never be in touch. And the details are not on a file anywhere. Um, so I'd given up on it, really. Um, just I felt you can't chase a dream forever. So I ended up driving Steve around for a year because my mate Kristen yeah. Meadows had done it the year before. He said, it's really good. Steve's a great guy to hang out with and just will give you a year to think. And after that, I sort of fell into working into Oasis Media Department. Um, ended up living with Dawn Reynolds and a few others. Actually, it was, it was me and three girls. Marvellous. Well, I've got five daughters, so with my wife and five do- I live with six Wow. Women. Uh, you just you just out trump me there on. Uh, have you got you got daughters? No, I've just got one one boy, Ethan, seven and a half. So um, yeah, and then then Blue Peter happened. So those were the Oasis days. So how did you crack Blue Peter then? If they kept turning you down? Well, it was a Sunday morning, and because you always used to know when they were leaving. You didn't know about this one, but a mate texted me. He said, "Get down the news agents and have a look at the news of the world." Oh, so I off I went. Coming, yeah. Yes. And there, right across the front cover, was this expose on Richard Baker. Yeah. I, I mean, to this day, I mean, listen, he shouldn't have done it, obviously, in the, given, but it was his best mate yeah. who, who, who rang up the News World and the Off Chance. They told him what they'd give him for the story, money-wise, and set up the tap phone call. And he was gone by the Monday, but I remember walking into Oasis on the Monday, and there was a girl there um, called Sue Radford, who had been a... Do you know Sue? Yes, I do. Yes, lovely. And she'd been... Um, she was with Diane Louise Jordan. That's right. Yeah. And she'd been a BBC local news presenter in a day, so she knew the TV world a little bit. And she just came straight up to me and said, don't do it today, because everything will be quite raw, but you've got to go for it again. And actually, all I had showreel-wise was the big take video, yeah. which I'd done for Oasis. Uh, and so we sent, I sent that in a week later and somehow got an interview out of it. And once you get the interview you've got your foot in the door which yeah. is the hardest bit and then it was it was all down to what you kind of did with the audition and stuff after that so is it true the audition you're chanting presenting his camera on the trampoline yeah well then they decided the year that, that when I got the job for the first time to film it all happening yeah. so they rung the four of us up and yeah. said are you okay and you're not, you're not going to say no but what it did mean they said on the phone call they said look for three of you it's going to be the hardest watch ever yes. and you probably won't ever watch it yeah. Um, so they, they filmed it and I remember sitting down in this soft seating area in the Blue Peter office and there was myself uh, a guy called Jonas Hurst I'm not sure what he's up to now there's another guy called Michael Underwood who oh, yes. went on to become a CBBC presenter yeah. and Jake Humphrey who's obviously on BT now and did F1 on the BBC so the four of us sat there and they were all quite experienced they'd done quite a lot I'd done nothing apart from a couple of charity videos yeah. I think that was the best thing I could hear because I thought I've got no chance here I'm going to go into that audition and just give it everything and it was it was everything you expect it you have to do a make you do have to jump up and down on a trampoline yeah. while interviewing someone and then they brought, I think it was called a kinky jail no idea what it is some furry thing from London Zoo with, a, with an only to do an interview with them and they get you to do a little bit on the peel so they try and do sort of four different styles of presenting that the show yeah. will, will have you doing for as long as you're on the job and and that was it. So away we went. And then about two weeks wait later, a week later, got the job. Phone call, letter, email? No, I sat down in the office of a, a lady called Lorraine Hegacy. She went on to yes. be controller of BBC yeah. One. At the time, she was head of CBBC. So I got called in. At this point, my, my boss at Oasis, Ivor Peters, is saying, I, I think you've got this. And I said to him, I can't even begin to think about it. Because I knew it, forgot it. It's a, it was a life changer in every yeah. way. Well, I heard it announced on Radio 1. Did you? Radio 1 News. My News days. Or something, oh, yeah, no, I think I remember that. 
So I got hauled into the office, well, I say hauled, asked to come in. So I sat down with Lorraine, and it was the editor of the, the programme there and the series producer. And I think they were just, they were so worried about making sure that what had just happened never happened again. So she said, any skeletons in your cupboard? And I just said, well, the worst thing I've done, uh, the, the words came out, I thought, I hope this doesn't count me out. But I said, look, I had a drag once on a, on a, on a spliff. Yeah. Didn't like it. Yeah. But that, that's it. And uh, out came the champagne. Bingo. Fabulous. The Peter Pan of Blue Peter. Really? <laughs> now, is it true you presented Her Majesty the Queen, who I don't think is a listener. Uh, is she yet. not? Not yet. Come on. Yet. Get um, on it. With a Blue Peter badge. Yes. And you quipped about get, being able to get into the Tower free. Yeah. Is this an urban myth? No, it's true. So, yeah, she came in as part of her Diamond Jubilee, I think. Uh, and she was visiting the BBC, and the one sh- one of the shows she wanted to visit was Blue Peter. So they'd invited lots of former presenters in. So um, Peter Purvis was there, Valerie yes. Singleton, Peter Duncan, people like that. John Noakes, the late great. No, Noakes. he wasn't there. He was he was already by this point not not so okay. well. So he said he wasn't there. Uh, so an hour before she arrived, the great and the good from the programmes past and present lined up in in the studio, and we just got into our positions. And basically, the programme had said the editor said, look. What we'll do is we'll have the four current presenters at the end, and Simon, you'll give the badge, because, no offence to the rest of you, you're the one least likely to mess it up. <laughs> so, about an hour before she arrives, in comes her press lady, and she's a very haughty lady. She comes down the whole... And the idea was, each person, as to meet the Queen, will just tell them a very, very quick yeah. story. Otherwise, it's just painful chat. Yeah. So, in this woman comes, goes down the line, eventually gets me, right, what are you going to say? I said, I've got a gag. This Queen doesn't do gags. I'm coming back in five minutes to find something better to say. So don't you want to hear it? Nope. She came back and said, right, tell me what it is. So You're I being s- auditioned. Yeah, so I said the line. said, right, if you stick to those words, you can say it. I said, great, lovely. Anyway, meanwhile, the Queen arrives. And the strangest thing about meeting her is, is that she is so familiar. You know, for everybody listening now, unless you, yes. unless you are over the age of 90, yeah. she's been an ever-present. So when she walks in, you, it's like your grandma's here. But then you go, my days, that's the Queen. And she's tiny, isn't she? Yeah. And it was funny because so the editor brought her down the line of past and present. And you could tell everyone was getting increasingly nervous. And Liz Barker was um, third from the end. It was then Matt Baker, then yeah. me. <laughs> so Liz was supposed to tell a story about taking some school kids to Auschwitz. So Her Majesty comes in front of Liz. The editor says, this is Liz Barker. And all Liz could do at this point, because everyone's just a bag of nerves, she went... I've been to Auschwitz. And the Queen just went, oh, lovely, and moved straight, <laughs> straight, straight on to Matt. And then it came to me, and I just said, um, Your Majesty, on behalf of the programme, we'd like to give you the programme's highest of all, which is a gold blue Peter badge, and you might be interested to know you didn't get another Tower of London free with this. I got a royal chuckle, and away she Did went. You? Yeah. I made the Queen laugh. Have you made the Queen laugh? Not yet. Not yet? Not Still yet. time. There's plenty of Still time. Still time. There's plenty of time. Was it a brave decision leaving Blue Peter? Or was it a conscious thing in terms of career, if I don't leave now? I think it was a conscious thing. I think it, it, it's a show that is utterly magnificent to work on. And I still think back on some of the stuff I did, and you kind of have to pinch yourself, and you look back on photo albums that, that you took at the time. Um, but it demands an awful lot of you. It does take over your life. Uh, and I think if you're not careful, and I've, I have heard it happen to other presenters, you stay too long and you then end up falling out of love with it because it's demanding so much of you. And then you end up resenting it. And I thought, I never want to get into a position where I'm resenting this because this is my dream job. So it's really hard, but you kind of had to fall out of love with it a little bit. But I just thought, I've, six, five, six years is what most people do. Yeah. 
And I don't want to outstay the welcome. I don't want a position where they're saying, so we're not going to renew new contract. Always time, time leave them to go. Anymore, Simon. Yes. Always leave them anymore. So I just, I thought, I, know, I had no job to go to. Oh, man. No job to go to. And, I, and sport was the aim. But I had no concrete offers at all. Um, and it, I remember when I joined the programme, people said, you're made for life. And I never could believe that. I didn't think that because I just think it'd be arrogant just to assume that because you've been on that, that therefore offers will come in. Yeah. I mean, my pride was hurt. There wasn't a single offer on the table. <laughs> Sat in front of the head of BBC Sport. You couldn't have been less interested if you tried. I mean, I'd done stuff with BBC Sport by this point, so I had done stuff with them. Just said, that's it, kids, present to working in sport. And that was the last time I was Jake in television centre. Well, exactly. I think, well, the, the way I see it... No, I don't know this. Well, actually, Jake did say this to me on the phone. He said, you went away and actually did it at Sky. And I think it opened their eyes to them being a little bit narrow-minded. I said, well, it's nice you got the F1 gig now. I'm stuck on sports news, but hey, I'm not bitter. Donald Trump here. You're listening to the Man of Podcast with Steve Legg and friends. These guys are all about building bridges between people. What a stupid idea. It's better to build a wall and make Mexico pay for it. Healthy friendships are important. Friends who listen, laugh, challenge, and offer sound counsel. Who has time for that? We do! Why not have a stagiversary? Unite both old and new friends over a day, weekend, or even longer. But this time round, you set the agenda. At Stagiversary, we believe in fun and adventure. But most of all, helping you to create space to rest, refuel and reconnect with the important people in your life. What are you waiting for? Visit staggiversary.co.uk, inquire within and let us do the rest. We're going to be hearing more from Simon Thomas in a bit, but first let's head to Shepton Mallet to hear from Ian McDowell and Joe Lampshire from Tough Talk. These lads are fabulous and use amazing feats of strength and powerlifting to reach people from all backgrounds and age groups with a message of hope through Christianity. It's truly inspirational stuff. So here we are. It's very salubrious. We're in a kind of a, a dressing room is the wrong sort of word. It's um, How would we describe this? It looks a bit like a bar area. It is like a bar area, isn't it? And it's been very interesting. Here we are at um, New Wine. Uh, fabulous event that I've been involved with for many years with some friends of mine, the boys from Tough Talk. Hello, boys. Hey, how are you doing, Good Steve? to see you, Steve. Now, from, from the name Tough Talk, you can obviously realise these are tough guys. And as we've been wandering around, people have been looking at the three of us and yep. thinking, how do these guys look so good? <laughs> what is the secret? Don't secret. laugh too much, Ian, please. Over their success. Um, yeah, the three of us, muscular, buff. How do we do it, boys? How do you do it, Ian? Oh, this is mate. Ian, by the way. Ian featured uh, in Sorted, uh, July, August. People yeah, stop him saying you're the guy from Sorted. It's true, haven't they? Yeah, they have started. They have. Yeah. So people are reading the Sorted. That's good. Um, so, what's the success? Yeah, the no, secret to your success. The Ian? secret of our success. I don't know if it's success. Um, we do like training with weights, so I suppose that helps. Um, I've been lifting, training with weights all my life, and um, love working out. But we use that as just part of the, the hook of getting people into a, a venue to hear the gospel. Now, so um, what was once a, the god of our lives, we now use to uh, encourage people that wouldn't normally come into a church or a meeting. Um, so here we are in New Wine, as you said, doing a meeting this afternoon. Um, and uh, you've got to look reasonably in shape. Otherwise, you, how do you talk about lifting weights if you don't look like you do it? You do look good. May I ask your age? I'm 51. 
Flipping it, you look hey. good, man. Oh, thank you very much. Yes, I mean, people I'll think... I'll pay you later. <laughs> people think I'm in my late 20s. Yeah. Uh, very late. I was 50 in January. Oh, well done. Fantastic. Well, yeah, yeah, do no, well, we've but got our hair, we're looking all right. Yeah, we? I think if you've got your hair, it makes it a helps. difference. It helps, it does help. And uh, talking of hair, we've got a fine barnet Mate, over here. He's, Big Joe. He's handsome. Joe, tell us about your daily fitness regime. Well... In I, an ideal world. In an, in an ideal world, well, I'm actually building a gym in the back garden, so... Um, <laughs> yes, I've been following, following the photos on Facebook. Yeah, so I'm quite excited excited about that so in the ideal world I'm close to home so you know my wife can cook for me and, and she can call out to me when the food's ready no, I'm only Joe. joking I'm only joking <laughs> um, but no in an ideal world I've got my gym at home I'm going to be training three or four times a week so it won't be my main focus but it's okay. something that I can do and uh, yeah so I, I, I will do the main core exercises uh, three days a week so squat bench and deadlift and then I'll do what I call sort of um, assistance work so yeah. arm curls and uh, uh, biceps and triceps and, and things like that. So that's that's what I do with my training. And a few a few cheeky lattes in the coffee and shop. Uh, yes, afterwards. And the odd Guinness, the odd Guinness. I say. Oh, that's interesting. And in terms of food, do you do you have to watch what you eat? <laughs> yeah, I watch everything I put in my mouth. <laughs> so, so I mean, if you're having uh, egg, if you're having an omelette, you're, you're one of these people that only have it with egg whites. No, no, that's more bodybuilding. I would sort of refer anything like that to to here. Now, I would just eat anything pretty much. Uh, I'll try and keep the sugars down because obviously the sugars aren't good and it can turn into fat and it stores as fat. So, and you'd eat a lot of protein. Probably. And I'd eat an awful lot of protein. Yeah. Okay. Now, Ian referred to this act that you do. You talk about sharing the gospel. We have a lot of people who who aren't churchgoers. You. You, 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 your, your show, you use it to tell people about God and how they can be set free, how they can know God. We do. It's um, it's a funny thing, really, because it kind of um, when it we first started, we didn't really know what we were doing. We were just asked. I, I was asked to share my testimony, but the pastor no, said, you, well, it's, it's "Your story, my story, yeah." yeah. And um, to bring the weights into the uh, into the church meeting that night, and uh, and that's exactly what we did. We did a kind of a bench press demonstration. I told him how I came to faith, and. Um, off of the back of that, we just kept getting invited to different meetings, prisons, schools, did a lot of schools. And then in, in 95, uh, 96, I did a meeting and the, the meeting was called Tough Talk. Really? And uh, so I we'll just thought, that. yeah, and I thought, oh, I have that name. Yeah, it's a good name. And uh, the, me- the, 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 the work actually was, because at the time we used to actually do boxing demonstrations, karate demonstrations, weightlifting demonstrations. But then years later, it just went down the path of the powerlifting and the story so it's always been about the the message um, uh, of the transformed life the impact of uh, 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 of a god uh, that can change our life and so we take that into prisons and places um and uh, and then share the gospel off the back of it so. so your personal story then ian would be what well i was a bodybuilder um uh, abused steroids for many years got involved in a lot of um, things I wish I hadn't violence and different things I was working as a debt collector and bouncer when I was a young man and uh, uh, one night just driving home from work uh, just out on bail uh, just lost just in a mess lots of fear working with a gang in East London um, just cried out to God and said God if you're real can you stop me can you help me and I, I'd just been involved in a fight I was covered in some fella's blood it's not a really a pretty story but I was going to hell I believe mm. I was uh, pals around me had been shot and people were dying around me um, I seemed like I was in a funeral every week and uh, this particular night I said Jesus if you're real can you forgive me for the mess I am and uh, I just broke down I just broke down in tears and wept and I felt this peace and that, that, <laughs> so for hard man but that, into tears. it was a big thing it changed my life I drove home fell asleep I felt peaceful uh, it, I needed a transformation and that's why I got that night I got such an encounter with God 
um, a God that I didn't really believe in. I was quite sceptical, sure. as most of us are. Um, but that night, I couldn't deny what I experienced that Jesus... And I, I cried out to Jesus, because yeah. people said to me, how comes Jesus? I don't know. I just said, Jesus, yeah. if you're there. Um, and that night, I encountered Jesus Christ. And uh, trying to communicate that for the last 25 years has not been Amazing, easy. Mate. But we do it with the weights. We do it with a bit of humour. We have some fun with it. Do you know what? It's so powerful and so fun. I've noticed you've, you you actually used quite a few of my little lines there. I don't know if I nicked them from you or you nicked them from us. I don't know where they come from, but, but it, <laughs> who knows? It's great, isn't it? There's so many people. I mean, we were at Spring Harvest yeah. a while ago, and we said the night we before night. on my little show, you know, to the to the guests, bring your husbands, bring your boyfriends who aren't Christians. Yeah. And there's so many lads at the back with beers. Yeah, it was, wasn't totally it? captivated by your stories. It was a so good night spring And then the thing is, people can't argue with your story, can they? People can, can argue with the Bible and ask all these questions, but the turnaround in your life, and presumably your mates must have noticed a huge change, Ian. Yeah, for sure. So back in those days, everyone I was associated with were affected by the chant change in my life um but you're you're right i can't there's no point in me coming in and arguing in theology or being an apologetic of any kind i share my story and uh, the power of the gospel through that um, it's the gospel that changed my life sure. um uh, people were rejected me people turned away from me uh, my family didn't quite understand it there's a cost to following christ and i realized that oh. at the very beginning um, but i would never want to go back to the insanity that was my life, the madness that was my life in those days, the fear, the paranoia, the anxiousness, the darkness that I was in. Um, Jesus uh, lifted that from me, and uh, I had a fear of hell, I had a fear of death. That was lifted from me. Um, seeing someone die one night, just, uh, you know, I had that fear that gripped me, and, and, and God delivered me from that. So um, it's, it's a piece that I need to share. Guys, we're almost out of time. Big Joe over here. What would you say to people who think, particularly people who aren't Christians yet, who listen to our podcast, uh, who think, well, Christianity is for wimps. You clearly don't look like a wimp. What would you say to those people who think, well, Jesus, you know, first century yeah. hippie, went round in a Marks and Spencer's white nighty, <laughs> sandals. Looked like one of the Bee Gees. Looking yeah. like one of the Bee Gees. <laughs> like it, mate. Yeah, no, I, I know he's real. It's hard to convince other people. But the first thing I would say is um, I would say have a look at your own life have a, you can see in the world that the world is messed up there's a lot of issues going on um, I, th- I think uh, the other thing I would say is um, look at the evidence look at the archaeological evidence look at the, his- the historical evidence you know pick up the Bible have a look at that there's, there's many a good Christian man uh, who are ex-scientists um, still scientists mathematicians that believe in Jesus Christ. It's not just a select few people um, that believe it just by faith. There's actual evidence to support the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I would say look into the evidence, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. And then I'd say it's a heart thing as well. So it's not just a case of looking at the evidence. So then I think then by faith you've got to step out and say, okay, Jesus, you know, speak to me, um, read the Word of God. And I think, uh, I think when you put all these things in line and you open your heart, I think God will speak to you. I think you're, not, you're opening the door for, for, for God. And he really is just a prayer away, as Ian just said a, yeah. earlier. You know, ask and you, you will find. Yeah, absolutely. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. And that was certainly the case uh, for me as a young man. Caught up in you know, the, the hedonistic lifestyle of the city of London. That's what I got caught up in. Uh, but God delivered me from all that stuff. And, uh, and yeah, I, I stand in now as a Christian father, uh, a husband, and uh, very much in love with the Lord. Donald Trump here, leader of the free world. Speaking of free, you're listening to the Man Up Podcast. 
in the latest bumper edition of Sorted magazine. Big name exclusive interviews, Hollywood A-listers, TV adventurer Bear Grylls, inspirational true life stories, adrenaline-fueled sports features, all this plus gadgets, entertainment, motoring, movies and technology, plus probably the greatest team of Christian writers ever assembled. Available now from High Street Retailers Nationwide or visit sortedmag.com. Sorted for men for life. Wonderful time. Still here with uh, the legend. Are you a legend yet? No. He's getting there. No. I'm still here with uh, Simon <laughs> Thomas talking Blue Peter and sport. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm a bit of a foodie. You like yeah. your food. Yeah. Did I see you on a, on, um, a Nigella Lawson show? You did. Tell us about that gig. Well, basically... She, she was cooking all day. And yeah, then yeah. The kind of soft focus, twinkly lights. And there we were. You see people sitting around the table. And I said to my missus, that's Simon Thomas. <laughs> it was, What's that about? It, well, it wasn't an invite from Nigella. Sorry to kill it already. But it basically, so a friend of mine, Kristen Meadows, his sister... Um, was working on a programme. She was uh, one of the sort of AP's assistant producers and, and they would get people in who weren't really Nigella's friends to be to have a cook something. So she said, would you come and do it? So myself, the wife, Kristen and Katie went along. She cooked us some, some nice octopus dish. We ate it. They filmed it. And you all laughed We said thank you very much. Yeah. It was like we'd known her for years. <laughs> was it nice? Yeah. She, she's, um, she's some woman. So she's incredibly striking. Amazing pair of eyes. Yes. Yeah. Incredible. But it was, it was lovely. But it wasn't a direct invite and the friendship was short-lived. Unlike Delia Smith. Ah, oh, dear Delia. She's a Norwich fan. Yeah. She's still the chairman. She's not the chairman. Um, she's the majority shareholder. Um, still has a place on the board uh, with her husband, Michael Wynne-Jones. Yes. And uh, I love her. She gets a lot of flack. But uh, tell me a, a football club owner who doesn't. I mean, why do people do it? It's not for money. None of them make money out of it. No, and she's, she's given an awful lot to the club. Listen, you know, pleasing football fans is a very hard business, unless you're being successful, and unless you're getting immediate promotion back to the Premier League, which we didn't last season, people are unhappy, you know, so, and, and she gets it in the neck. I always say, and a lot of others always say, and you see it happening at clubs, you look at Blackburn, for instance, where they were, you know, Premier League winners all those years ago and, and now sliding down the leagues with the Venkies in control I just I think I often say to people and you hear it from other pundits and journalists as well is be careful what you wish for yes. and so those Norwich fans are saying Delia are out well the, the, the question is who comes in yes. it doesn't appear to me at the moment like there's a very long long queue for that so I, I like it listen some things you know as in everything in life we get, we get things wrong make the wrong call the wrong judgement that's just life that's football but I, I'm not keen to see her walking out anytime soon. Have you walked into her house for dinner yet? No, I haven't, I've had dinner with her at Norwich a couple of times. A nice restaurant there. Very nice. She's good company. Uh, likes a glass of vino. We saw against Man City all those years ago. Yes. Where are you? Let's be having you. Uh, do you know, I, some stick for that. Oh, my days. I was watching it you because know, I was living in Clapham at the time. I was watching it in a pub. And they'd obviously recorded it at half time, and after the ad break, they played it out. And oh, I, just I remember sat watching there. it live on Sky Sports yeah. at home. I, we couldn't believe it. I thought the boys she now. will never live that down. You know, and it, now every time you mention Delia to anyone, you know, that's what they always come out with. Where I think, are I think you? it came on my Facebook feed the other day. It must have been an Did anniversary. It? it must have been an anniversary, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a bit of a red wine moment, if I'm honest. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. So, as a presenter, is it easy to be unbiased when you present from uh, Norwich City? Well, I mean, the biggest test in two years ago, 2015, because, of course, they made it to the playoff final. 
Um, and I, I did the two legs against Ipswich, the biggest rivals we have, which was a test. But I remember, I remember standing on the turf at Wembley. So we presented the hour build-up just in front of the Norwich dugout. And I remember looking around about half a minute before we went down there. And already at this point, the stadium was getting very full. So behind us, to our left, you've got the, the red half of the stadium in the middle of the colours. And you look to the right, and there was just yellow and green everywhere. I could see my sister and her family about 10 rows up from where we were. I felt a lump in the throat. It's a big deal. I'd gone to the 2002 player final at Cardiff when we lost to Birmingham City on penalties. Horrendous day. I'm thinking, this is just utterly amazing to see. You know, it is the biggest game out there because of what's on the line and how your season could finish. And I stood there and thought, oh my days, this is my team. People might say this surely would have occurred to you before this point. I think this is my team in a playoff final and I've now got to present it. And actually, I, listen, you know, you go on stage and stuff, you have that little switch, it's kind of your backstop that goes on, and suddenly I was like in professional mode. And I even got a tweet from an Ipswich fan after the game and said, just want to say, you know, it pains me to say this, but you'd have never known you were a Norwich fan this afternoon. Oh. And I thought, if they said that, because the trouble is, Steve, is that the Norwich fans want you to be massively biased towards Norwich because you're a Norwich fan. The Middlesbrough fans are all thinking you're going to be really biased against them. So trying to find that middle line was, was hard work. And... I mean, people have asked me, would you, would you have wanted to watch it as a fan or doing what you were doing? Oh, I'd probably still like to have done it as a fan. Yeah. But then again, I wouldn't ever have that memory of being oh, the man yeah. who was presenting the game in which your team got promoted. Oh, man. So, Simon, who's your favourite pundit? As we said in the intro, John Watson's been wonderful, great fan of Sorted, <laughs> often writes for us. Um, Motti would be in the top three, do you think? He's a character, isn't he? And he's, That's a no. He is a, no, no, no. I like, I, I like, I like, I like Motti. I mean, if you're talking about presenters and pundits, mm. I mean yes. the, God, the Godfather, Lynham. There's yes. Lynham, who's just, one of my neighbours. Yeah, you see, yeah. he's for me the absolute benchmark. I just, I loved his style. There was a laid-backness, but there was authority. There was warmth. It's just the best there's ever been for me in terms yeah. of in terms of how you present. Uh, I remember, I can't remember which. I mean, there was, the, there was the World Cup game, the England game, where he comes on air in his first line in that smooth line and way was, because it was on a weekday. Shouldn't you be at work? <laughs> he is a smooth And then there was an FA Cup final. I remember that it started off with him walking through the Wembley turnstiles and he said, well, if you're watching at home, you obviously didn't get a ticket. No worries. Wink to the camera. You're in with us. And he walks through the turnstiles. Um, in terms of commentators, I mean, my favourite BBC-wise was Barry Davis. Yeah. I love Barry Davis. He just had a lovely, lovely turn of phrase. Um, and he also commentated on the Justin Fashioning goal against Liverpool those years ago at Carrow Road. Um, and probably the favourite of one I work with now, just because he calls a spade a spade, and he, he pundits like he played, is Sunes, Graham Sunes. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And he, he looks at you with that look of, do not ask me a rubbish question. And if you do, you know about it. Terrible wind though in the studio. <laughs> really bad. Really? Yeah. But he says it's a sign of friendship. Yeah. You're going to be close. Yeah. And of yeah. course, uh, Thierry Henry's often on your little squad, Jamie Redknapp. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Henry. I mean, the thing is, after a while of working them, you, you kind of forget, particularly with him, yeah. the esteem with which he's held in, not, not just by Arsenal fans, but right around the country. And we, we presented the last game of the season, so we were doing the, the second game live on Sky that day. So we were at um, uh, Watford Man City, terribly one-sided game. And we were presenting everything pitch side. 
Uh, Wat- Watford are getting thumped, so we head down towards the end to get ready, pitch side for the end, and uh, we're just waiting uh, in front of all the Watford fans. Henri for Watford! Henri starts rattling out right around the stadium, and you watch people's faces. He's, he's a lot taller than you think. You watch people's faces if you walk around a football cut ground to get back to the OB trucks or for him to get in his car. And it's just, it's incredible watching it. Because, you know, he is, for me, absolutely a Premier League legend, right up with the very best he's ever played in the Premier League. Some might argue the best. But you, you forget about that after a while of working. And then you get a reminder when you see a VT package going out and it features one of his many wonderful, grace-filled goals. And you go, I'm sat with a legend. It's marvellous. You ever been starstruck? I think it was the first time I met him, actually. Yeah, yeah first time I worked with him. Because, you know... We saw him all in his pump, you yeah. know, at Arsenal, and you just sit there and go, "My goodness me, it's Henri is in the building." Yeah, brilliant, Simon. You're living the dream. Yeah, I'd like to think so. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm incredibly fortunate um, and blessed to be doing what I'm doing um, because I I know that there's hundreds, if not thousands, of people out there who would swap swap what they're doing for what I'm doing. But what I'm doing is not really very important. You know, there's people out there doing far far more important. Things that I am. I'm, I'm just talking about football with other guys who played the game of football to people watching at home who like football. But at the end of the day, that's all it is. It's, it is a fantastic job, but I, I, I don't. I see it for what it is. Just a great job. It's just a game of football. I know other people say it's far more than that, but there's other things in life that are more important. But it's a cracking job. Hey, this is Sylvester Stallone, and I played tough. You're listening to the Sword of Man Up podcast. This is what we do. Well, that's about it for now. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. A huge thank you to my special guests, Simon Thomas and Tough Talk. They're top guys. Until next time, this is Steve Legg and friends on the Sorted Man Up podcast. Do encourage your mates to subscribe and download and share on Facebook and Twitter. It really does help. Help us to get the word out. Until next time, see ya. That was the Man Up Podcast. They'll be back. You've been listening to the Man Up Podcast from Sorted Magazine. Recorded, edited, and delivered by flagshiprecording.com.